Hello and welcome to The Roundtable, a Next Generation Politics podcast. Next Generation Politics is leading a movement of young people committed to building bridges across various divides. I'm Madeline, and I'm happy to be back on the podcast after a few months away. At this week's The Roundtable, Inika, Jack, Kanisha, and I spoke with Michael Mauser and Helen Hankin, two authentic intergenerational allies. Michael is the co-chair for the Braver Angels Nevada Statewide Alliance, and both Michael and Helen have been active in both Toastmasters International and the Rotary Youth Exchange for decades, hosting 11 students from other countries over the years. Michael is motivated by the quotes, it's not enough to know, you also have to do things, and when you can work with people, you get along better, both of which clearly inform his thoughts and actions. Michael first got involved with Braver Angels at a time when he was depressed by presidential debates, which were so different from the debates of his youth, which he felt had been more about seeking understanding. He watched a Braver Angel debate on YouTube between a pro-Trump supporter and a liberal that was very civil and was heartened by what he had experienced and how this illustrated his belief that we grow most by engaging with people who have totally different ideas than ourselves. Helen's ethos is informed by the question of what does the community need and what will help them most? And she enjoys pursuing sustainable projects that can achieve both initial goals and long-term objectives. We discussed the importance of seeking connection, not consensus, in conversations across difference, honing in on shared moral foundations, and seeing each other as people rather than parties. At root, though, there are real differences in priorities and values, but we're still motivated to solve key problems of our times, which can be either a very powerful uniter or divider. Thank you for listening. Hi, my name is Inika Kodestane, and I'm a high school senior from New Jersey. And in addition to being on the podcast, I'm also the co-editor-in-chief of the Next Generation Politics blog. And today, I really just want to know more about your story, what motivates you to act who you are in the community, and how you think that we can all sort of replicate that kind of community building in our own towns. Hi, everybody. My name is Jack. I'm a high school junior from Manhattan, New York. Today, I'm really excited to talk more about how we can cross or dialogue across partisan lines. I know at NextGen, we say that we're trying to build bridges across various divides. And I'm really interested because it sounds like your goal is pretty similar. And so it'd be cool to sort of see the approach we take to that and then also the approach you take to that. Hi, my name is Madeline, and I'm also a high school junior. And just building off of what Jack says, um, obviously a big part of what we do here is discourse, political discourse amongst teenagers, which is a huge part of the work that you've done. What I'm interested in actually is thinking about the cultural side of where our perspectives come from and how we can take into account the environment that people have grown up in that formulated the opinions and the perspectives that they have and how we can better think about incorporating those ideas into our discourse skills going forward amongst teenagers. I'm uh, Michael or Mike Mauser, and I'm retired in Denier. I did listen to a couple of your podcasts, and I have to say I'm really impressed at the level you're operating at as high school students. When I think back of when I was a high school student, I really wasn't very much politically motivated or anything like that. Uh, and it's, it's, it's impressive that you're doing this. Uh, in answer to the question, what motivates me, I'd like to give you a quote uh, that's very dear to me, and that is, it's not enough to know, you also need to do things. 
And I'm interested in knowing a lot, but I also wanted to do something. And I find that when you can work with people, uh, you connect better. So uh, one of the reasons I wanted my wife here, and she'll introduce herself shortly, is that uh, she has had more experience in pulling in people from different political philosophies, say, different backgrounds, different life experiences, and getting them to work together effectively. And I'm very much impressed with what she's done with this. And I'll let her introduce herself now. <laughs> well, hello, everyone. It's nice to meet all of you. Uh, Madeline, are you also from the East? Yes, I'm out of New York. Okay, thank you. The reason I ask that question relates to uh, my experience. I have had a 40-year career with an agency in the Department of Interior, which is called the Bureau of Land Management. And that agency primarily operates in the Western U.S. and Alaska. It's different than the Fish and Wildlife Service or the National Park Service because it has a mission of multiple use, which means that it works to allow a public use of lands primarily in the West. And often there may be more than one user at a time. So this sometimes leads to, at best, differences of opinion and at worst, conflicts because I was uh, the resource manager or the land manager for a number of years, I often ran into the issue of how do we get people with different objectives, different areas of interest on the public lands to work together. So when Mike says I have more experience, I don't know if it's more, but it's different than his. And uh, of course, we'd rather have people that are out on the public lands operating in a harmonious state with each other. So um, that's kind of uh, my background in, in a nutshell. I think that that sounds really interesting. I actually have been out to Wyoming, and so I, I've spent actually some time on, on BLM land. So I know sort of how rugged it is and how there's the priority of multiple use. And, you know, we were hiking through and then like, oh, look, here's a herd of cows. And then, oh, watch out for the sheepdogs. Um, I mean, just really, <laughs> really cool stuff. But tying it sort of back to some of the work you do with like Braver Angels and also Rotary, could you tell us a little bit more about that? You know, I think we, we, you've spoken about trying to bring together into like a harmonious discourse. In like a day-to-day -day or, you know, sort of in, in your roles, what does that look like? You know, who, who are you trying to talk with, who are you trying to engage? Uh, well, I'll let Helen speak a little bit later on this, but I got involved with Braver Angels just around two years ago. And it was a result of listening to a uh, YouTube video by someone you would probably characterize as fairly conservative, uh, you know, pro-Trump, et cetera. He brought on one of the founders of Braver Angels, and they had a civil discussion. And that's something I really wanted to see more of. I don't even like to watch the news because there's, you know, and particularly I didn't want to even watch the presidential debates because they're not like the debates I participated in when I was in junior high or high school, where you're trying to, you know, understand the other person. As an engineer, I, and, and as an author, I've really welcomed putting my ideas out and having them reviewed by other people and getting that feedback. It can be tough at times, but it's rewarding. And people with different ideas, different perspectives, different backgrounds, they'll come at you with totally different ideas that you haven't thought of. And I, it's always been a productive process for me, particularly with regard to having uh, something I've written, reviewed, peer-reviewed, et cetera. 
so that was kind of waiting for Braver Angels. And my involvement initially was just going into their programs, and they have a number of different things that they do. Probably the most obvious one is when they have uh, red-blue discussions or debates or whatever you want to call it, where people have uh, five minutes to give their position about something. Uh, one of the first ones I remember attending was resolved, we should elect Trump or President Trump reelect him. And uh, people gave their reasons. They used personal stories to tell why they felt that way. Questions were then solicited from the audience. The questions were directed to the moderator, not to the individual giving the presentation. So it gave a little bit of space between there. And then we had somebody talking about the opposite viewpoint, not wanting to support that position, you know, resolve, let's not elect President Trump again. And it was done civilly. Uh, much more recently, I attended one where the discussion was on abortion. And again, uh, it was civil and people got their ideas across. And, I, and at the end of it, we have a session where people uh, talk about, you know, just a couple of minutes about how they perceive the meeting. I particularly remember there was a Catholic priest there and he actually said he helped a woman get an abortion. He helped get her uh, transported to a clinic. And I wasn't the only one that was surprised by that. I really like these sessions they have, and I've uh, more recently part been participating in uh, rolling out new ones. For example, uh, it hasn't shown up on the website yet, but there's one for uh, generations where I participated with a, a younger person who was like 18 years old, and I'm 72 or 71. We talked about issues that we see in our, our lives and how we view things, et cetera. Another one that's being rolled out and I'll be participating in shortly is on uh, communicating over Twitter and you know making comments on YouTube videos and stuff like that and doing that in a productive manner rather than one that gets people really upset. I'll let Helen speak to that question a little bit too then with re regard to Rotary, I guess. Well, as all likely know, uh, Rotary is an international uh, organization, and it does a lot of uh, different things. It has a very wonderful youth exchange program. But the thing I think I might talk about a little bit is the efforts Rotary makes to help in uh, developing countries around the world. And the approach has evolved you know, over many years and the way it works now is that if a Rotary Club wants to do a project in another country, one of the first things that's needed after finding a, a partner in that country is to do an assessment with that community to determine what the community thinks it needs rather than someone from any particular state in the U.S., coming in and saying, oh, well, they need this or that. It starts with what does the community need and what will help them the most. And then a second major aspect of these Rotary projects is that they need to be sustainable projects. So that means that once the product project is completed, for example, if it's a water collection system or a water treatment system, it needs to be constructed in such a way that the local people will have the ability to maintain it over a number of years so that the money put into the project is an investment that lasts a long time. And I think those are two real key things that relate to a lot of things we do is when we're working with others is to find out what it is that they're thinking and what they need 
and how we can interact with them in a sustainable way that achieves, you know, initial goals and long-term objectives. And even though Rotary does this largely in other countries, it's a model that, that would apply here as well. Uh, one of the things that I really like about Rotary is I'm working with other people. And as Helen said, you when you work with other people in other communities, other countries, et cetera, you're listening to what they need or think they need and working with them on that. And personally, there's a very diverse group of people in Rotary with you know the whole spectrum of uh, political views and, and uh, personal views on different things. But if you can set that aside, and it's easy enough to do, and I find, and I'll give you a couple examples. There was somebody I worked with that really wanted to get the American flag uh, into these schools. And I'm kind of indifferent about it. I mean, I grew up and, you know, we said the Pledge of Allegiance because I uh, went to a parochial school and then it wasn't done so much in the, in the public schools when I attended. But it was a passion with him. He wanted to do it. And so I partnered with him and the two of us went around and we collected money. We got big, huge state and U.S. flags hung and it built a connection between the two of us. And we worked together on, on other things, too. And, and I wouldn't have normally done that. I'm not a religious person. I helped another Rotarian uh, get uh, a project going to we have a historic church that had was being restored. And I helped with with that project, too. So I think, you know, when Helen's talking about these foreign projects, I think it also applies to domestic. Find opportunities where you can work with people where you have a common goal and you're not necessarily, you know, trying to talk about politics, but get to know people as a person first. And then you can, you know, start bridging these, these uh, ideological gaps. Once they realize that you are somebody that will help them work with them, et cetera, I think that makes a, a big difference. So um, this is something that I, I think I read somewhere or I learned it somewhere, but people say that when you have like debate or discussion, the goal shouldn't be consensus. It should be more about connection. And so um, as you work on projects, as you have different red blue sessions, like how do you see this applying? Like, what do you think the purpose of the discussions are? Or like, do you agree with the statement that it should not be about consensus? It should be about connection. How do you kind of see that playing out through the work that you do? Well, the first thing that comes to mind when you uh, brought that up is, uh, uh, as an engineer, like I said, the objective was to get a good project, to get a good design. And so you set aside your ego sometimes. You think, okay, this is the way to do it. And if somebody else is sincerely after the same overall goal, let's get a good design here you are more inclined to listen to them and, and uh, exchange ideas. The same thing when I, I wrote for, you know, like a journal or something, I would really sometimes get kind of upset by some of the comments I would get, you know, some of the opinions people would, would send back. I would have to respond to this person and they're anonymous uh, in a fashion that would satisfy the editor. And as much as I kind of rankled, you know, as much as some of these comments uh, upset me, or I always had to admit in the long run, even if they were completely off and I didn't really value them themselves, I learned to appreciate the process. And I, I put the same thinking into the, the Braver Angels discussions. The first thing is to connect. The first thing is to uh, understand that we have shared values. 
and discover those and, and talk to each other as people. And there's a lot of techniques for doing that. The first one is to listen and then paraphrase back to make sure you understand something. Another one is to not ask questions that are kind of loaded. Ask questions for genuine understanding, not questions to put your own view in there and uh, how you feel about stuff. Another technique is to not state things as facts, state things as I statements. I feel this way, the way I see it, my understanding is. Another technique is to give personal stories. I gave a personal story about, well, we have, we've had 11 exchange students over the years. One of them was a Muslim from Indonesia. And it was interesting to have him there. Uh, we helped him locate himself to, to face Mecca from uh, our house in Fairbanks, Alaska. We had to use a globe to figure out where he was facing. And learning about his religion and how he felt about it, I think, changed my views on, on Muslims in general, because I knew somebody personally that was, that was a Muslim. Uh, that's the type of personal story you can bring into something. If you're talking about abortion, you might talk about a, a relative or a sister that had been abortion and, and you know how they cope with this or how they felt about it. By bringing in the personal stories, instead of trying to bring in facts or figures or this is the way it is, uh, you humanize the discussion. Uh, so there's a lot of other, other techniques like that that are, uh, I think, very interesting to, to explore. One final thing is that we all have these a moral foundation. We all care. We all care about uh, protecting others. We value fairness. We want to have things, some equality there so that people aren't cheating or something like that. We value loyalty to our family, to our country, to each other, to the, our friends. We value authority. I value people that I can see have put the time and effort and, and studied a subject, et cetera. Other people might value more somebody that's a, a political person or a, a religious person that's a leader. Uh, and we value purity. We want cleanliness. And that turns into, back to Ari, I remember him being totally disgusted because we made a pizza and we knew he didn't want pork. So we kept half the pizza with our sausage on it. But he was just horrified that some of the grease might have leaked over to his side of the pizza and he couldn't eat it. This is a purity issue. And it's not just, you know, food. It's uh, all kinds of ideas. People being against gays is, a, a, you know, it's a, it's a purity uh, type of uh, idea that, that, that they are disgusted, basically. I have one, one thing to add with, in response to your question about uh, consensus. I don't think it is always possible to get consensus because people come from such a wide range of backgrounds and experiences and beliefs. But what I have seen in the public sector, but also just in organizations that I belong to, what is possible to do and what Mike has alluded to is it is possible to find common ground. It is possible to find areas where you can agree and can work together and you, by definition, need to agree to not go down areas that are going to, you know, cause you to immediately get into arguments and conflict. But you can't always get consensus just because of things I mentioned, but you can usually find some areas of common interest that you can then move forward with that and you can build a relationship based on that. I think this idea of consensus is really interesting. And Michael, what you were saying about like 
how we all have loyalty to our friends and our family and our country and so on and so forth makes me really think that we have more in common than we do have differences um, in an ideological and moral sense. Um, And it goes back to what you were saying about getting to know a person first as a person, as opposed to their political party. Um, It reminds me of a few people that I've met through NGP um, in which they actually, part of their own personal um, ethics for themselves and their own personal boundaries was to not introduce themselves as a Democrat or Republican and get to know um, teens at um, NGP as people first. And then they'll say a mention or bring up that they're a Republican or a conservative, which I think is really, really interesting and a really different perspective that I haven't really seen be adapted by many people, uh, not just teens, but across generations, because I think we have so much pride in our political ideologies. So I think it's interesting to think about. And that's just what you were saying made me think of that. Well, Braver Angels got started specifically to address I think in 2016, the uh, schism between the the Republican and uh, Democrat Party. So they have the history of the red and blue. The alliances that are formed throughout the country require to have a red and a a blue uh, person as co-chairs. I'm a third co-chair. I insist on being independent. I've been independent throughout my, my life, voting most of the time for third party candidates or something like that, just because I'm, I, I have problems with both, both parties. I find that I have issues that I feel very strongly about on one side or the other. Uh, what we're doing in Nevada, where I'm the co-chair, is we're going to be emphasizing more the rural urban divide and other potential divides and not emphasizing the, the, the red red-blue divide. But I think that's something that because of the history and because it is such a very uh, prominent thing now that people talk about, that's what people worry about. But I think there's plenty of other ways we divide ourselves. And like I said earlier, they have the urban-rural, I think on the website now where you can sign up for those one-on-one discussions and they plan to have the generational uh, differences. And it surprises me when I do talk one-on-one with somebody and I have to take the position of a red or a blue, how they're really not that, it's not that good a definition. Uh, we think in terms of a number line, you know, you're way over here, you're, you're, you know, red radical or way over here, you're left radical. And we have to think in terms of maybe a plane where you can go up and down or a 3D where you can go in and out. Uh, because there's all kinds of different positions that people can take. And what we're really after are solutions to all kinds of problems. I mean, we've got infrastructure, we've got, you know, just caring for our children. We're number 40th insofar as uh, countries that take care of, uh, you know, women that are, that are pregnant and, and uh, daycare and things like that, maternity leave, uh, paternity leave, compared to other countries. And to me, you know, we, well, we got problems with infrastructure. Once you start admitting that you have these problems uh, and you start looking at solutions, you can come up with solutions together. That's what we want is we want to work together. We can't work together if we're demonizing the other party and saying things like they're all communists and they want to, to ruin the U.S. or they're a bunch of racists and they just want to have white power. 
I, I mean, we've got to look at other uh, people, no matter where they're coming from, as humans and accept that they may put different emphasis on these moral foundations, like authority. Some people might value authority a whole lot more than you do, or loyalty, and you're more occupied with, with fairness. But we all have these moral foundations, and we can all agree at some level. And if we can talk and listen to each other, we can solve some of these problems. We have to solve these problems. That's all for today with Next Generation Politics. I'm editor Vanessa Chen signing off. Please check out our website at www.nextgenpolitics.org podcast for links related to what we've discussed and to find out more about our work. And please recommend us to your civic-minded friends or to your friends you'd like to become more civic-minded.